Warning, this episode contains adult language and content. They say the pen is mightier, but in whose hands? So we'll pitch your stories head to head and find out which one lands. All three sham writers haven't read a lot, so your sham host will find a famous plot. Books and films and TV shows, they'll make a pitch, then off you go to write what you don't know. This is Sham Fiction, the show where two writers cross pens in a duel to write what they don't know. Now, here's your host, Andrew Neal. Oh man, that means it's one of our favorite weeks of the show. That's right, me! Hosting. Uh, Welcome everyone to one of the better weeks of sham fiction. I am your host, Andrew Neal, and with me, as always, on this adventure through sham fiction are my co-hosts and your writers for this week. Let's start with Mr. Eric Carlson. Welcome to the show, Eric. How are how how are you? You know, uh, I'm okay, but uh, here at Sham Fiction, we just uh, re-entered contract negotiations. Oh, yes, we did. I'm and, fully aware um, of this, but please explain what you are referring to. And I think, um, just based on your really kind, good intro, I'm, I'm just considering uh, asking for more. That's all. I'm just, I'm just ruminating, just thinking, considering the options, just, whoa. Whoa, just whoa, thinking whoa. about it. Yeah. What about the budget, Eric? The, the budget. The, the budget. Are you worried about the budget, Marcus? Here, I was going to ask you to go in on this negotiation with me because, you know, the leverage power, you know, we're, we're like a union, you and I. No, I, I mean the budget for my salary. Oh, for your salary. Okay. Are you saying there's a finite pool of money to pay all the hosts of the show? That it's a zero-sum game, Eric. A zero-sum game. Oh. oh, man. And if you haven't already figured it out, Marcus Mann is also here. Marcus, how That's are you me. feeling? I'm feeling like I'm getting sick unless these contract negotiations go well. You know, you have to pay me my union-mandated sick time. Uh-oh. That sounds like a threat. <laughs> Ooh. Cough. Oop. <laughs> Oh, uh, not not sounding not sounding too good there, Marcus. Better better sit down. Yeah, take it easy. You know what? It's fine. You're not hosting this week. Relax. Let old Andrew <laughs> handle it for this time. Um, and we got a great show uh, for you this week. We're covering a property that has become very popular over the last couple of years. It is the CW show, Riverdale. Ooh. Yes, indeed. We love the CW. We do indeed. Uh, fans of the CW-verse, as it's known widely. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's the one, right? Uh-huh. You got it. Mark, Marcus, you, you looked like you t- were in total agreement of the way that I referred to it there. A hundo P. Just all the percentage. You nailed it. Yes, uh, though this is not in the CW-verse, um, other than the fact that it airs on the CW, it's not in the same <laughs> universe as The Flash and Arrow and those other great 
superhero we, we like shows. We call that the Berlantiverse, although this is also produced by Berlanti. It is. It is indeed. He is an EP on it. Greg Berlanti, of course, to whom we are referring. Fun bit of trivia. You know hey. which uh, superhero has shown up on Riverdale? Or not in Riverdale, in the Archie comics? Which there's only one superhero that's shown up in Archie there, comics? There have probably been multiple, but if you give me anyone, I'll be... Okay, I'm going to say... Go, go, Ghost Rider. Is it who, Ghost Rider? It's not Ghost Rider, Let me but guess. it's someone Let else you'd also not expect who has been filmed. Go ahead. Oh, okay. I, I didn't quite catch all of that because I was yelling over it. So I'm going to guess <laughs> Superman. Uh, maybe. This is really bad because I don't know the history of other people. But the point is the Punisher did a crossover <gasps> with Archie. That's hilarious. That's a weird one. That's it's a very weird one. That's definitely it's a weird definitely one. definitely what I'm writing about, regardless of what you pitch. You know what? That's fine, because that sounds great. Uh, but let's. I still want to <laughs> talk about some details here. So we've already touched on it a little bit, and this is kind of a strange detail. This show is very loosely based. <laughs> I, or I don't know how loosely, because I'm not really all that familiar with the property. But it is based on Archie Comics characters. Uh, even though it's a moody teen drama series on the CW. <laughs> so mm. are either, how, how familiar, so it sounds, Marcus, even though you're our uh, resident comic book guy, uh, that you're not all too familiar with Archie Comics. Is that correct? I am not too familiar. I know that his best friend slash rival is Jughead. Yeah, you got and it. And that he's oh. always bouncing back and forth between a Betty and a Veronica. Oh, oh. hey, that's pretty good. That's pretty uh, yeah, good. I, I got I got some additional material. Oh, uh, let's let's hear it. You got you got Jughead. He loves a he loves a good burger. Oh, loves a oh, burger. Oh yeah, yeah. I Jughead loves burgers. Is that a thing? I don't know. I, 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 I we're think not it to might the be pitch. We're not to the pitch yet, Eric. I, think I can't it might be tell a thing. you that. I can't. That'll tell be you. my first question in the Q and A. If is if Jughead likes oh. burgers. Let me ask the Q&A first, Andrew. Please, please let me ask it first. Please. <laughs> we'll see. Who's to say? So let's get some <laughs> credits out of the way, shall we? Uh, so Riverdale was developed by a gentleman by the name of Roberto Aguirre Sacasa, who is also oh the chief creative officer at Archie Comics. He's also he's, he's, he's the guy that developed this show. Um, it's again, yeah, based on the Archie Comics characters, which guys, they first appeared in 1941. It's a Ooh. long time ago that Archie, Jughead, and the gang have been around. It's even older than I am. It, I mean, just a bit, just a hair. <laughs> um, it stars the actors KJ Appa, Lily Reinhardt, Camilla Mendez, Cole Sprouse of The Sweet Life. And Madeline Petch. I don't know. It's a hard name to pronounce. <laughs> There's a lot of consonants right in a row. Yes, there is. And I, I think I added an extra K sound in there. <laughs> Just for good measure. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, this show, uh, as of uh, the time of that this episode will air, uh, will be in its third season. Seasons one and two are on Netflix. Uh, and I will admit at this point that I have only seen... The a little over half of the first season. Okay, I mean, okay. I think I'm eight episodes in, and I am loving it. It is. It fills that that hole in my heart where teen melodramas live. Oh uh, man, I I never thought that there would be uh, uh, another another show 
that would tickle that sensitive place that yeah. is a terrible way of putting it. <laughs> Especially when it's talking about teenagers. Um, we'll just stop this line. You know what? Just going to call it. Just going to stop it dead right there and not continue that just thought. Cut. So, uh, but yes, this is a teen melodrama and a mystery show. Uh, it's really great to look at because it's very stylish and it's full of hot people. Because the actors themselves are not teenagers, of course. So uh, it's okay. Yeah, it's totally cool. It's okay cool. for adults to portray sexy children. Yeah, exactly. You got it. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Marcus is uncomfortable with this, with this, uh, whatever this is. Um, so guys, if you're, if you're ready, and I know I am. I am. Let's get into this pitch, shall we? Pitch session. Eight minutes on the clock. Three, two, one. Let's jam. It seems like whenever I'm pitching, the clock just cuts me off. It just butts in. Like, <laughs> what, What's she trying to say? Yeah, what's, what's that British lady trying to do? Okay, guys, Riverdale. It's a town. That's the name of the what? town where this story takes place. The town with Pep. A small town in America. <laughs> That's literally the slogan of the town. Um, <laughs> the show begins on the first day of a new school year after a very eventful summer. You see, on the 4th of July, Jacob Blossom, the quarterback of the high school football team in Riverdale, drowned in a boating accident. He did. His body hasn't been found, but his twin sister Cheryl Blossom was with him at the time, but she doesn't recall exactly what took place. A little fishy. Over Both this summer, in it? Oh, what was that? <laughs> say that again. I didn't hear it. I didn't hear it. Just What'd move on. Okay. All right. Uh, I assume that the listeners enjoyed it, but I missed it. <laughs> um, so over this summer, sophomore Archie Andrews, our hero, developed a passion for music. He started to play guitar, write his own songs. However, this new interest goes at odds with what's expected of him because Archie's already a really busy guy. He's working at his dad's construction company. He's playing on the football team. But something else big happened while Archie, to Archie while school was out. He got hot. Oh, He's a oh. sexy, sexy oh, dude. Uh. And this fact wasn't missed by the Babley High School music teacher, Geraldine <laughs> Grundy. <laughs> That's her name. Um, and the two began a secret fling. Oh, man. What? Hot for teacher? Wah, wah. So it just so happened that uh, one of uh, Archie and uh, Miss Grundy's risque rendezvous occurred on the morning of Jacob Blossom's drowning. <gasps> they were down by the river where it happened, and they heard a gunshot. <gasps> what? Next, there is the literal girl next door, Betty Cooper, because she lives right next door to Archie. Their bedroom windows are literally facing one another. So Dangerous. What's that? Dangerous. It, it is dangerous, because you can see Archie and all his Abbey glory through that, through that, uh, that uh, window. Yeah, that's why. But here's the deal. Betty and Archie have been best buds forever. They're best friends. It's total friend zone. But, like, as the school year begins, Betty has promised herself that she's going to admit her true romantic feelings for Archie. But this goes against the witches. 
of Betty's overbearing mother, Alice, who doesn't like Archie because he was good friends with Jacob, the boy who drowned. According to Alice, Betty's mom, Jacob is responsible for abusing Betty's older sister, Polly, to the point that they had to admit Polly to a psychiatric facility. What? So, there's some drama here, people. On the CW. Um, so, Betty, <laughs> so, Betty appears to be the perfect, perky, blonde-haired, blue-eyed, you know, goody-two-shoes girl. But we get these hints that Betty may be harboring some anger, especially when people speak ill of her sister. She kind of tenses up, and we can sense that there's something underneath that Betty isn't showing. New to town, moving from New York City, the Big Apple, is Veronica Lodge. Veronica comes from a wealthy family, but her father is in jail because he's waiting trial for fraud. Four minutes remaining. Oh, man. He's waiting trial for fraud and embezzlement. Um... So Veronica and her mother Hermione have come to Riverdale looking for a fresh start. Veronica admits that she used to be the spoiled, entitled rich girl, but now she wants to leave that behind. And she quickly befriends Betty while she stands up for her during a cheerleader audition or tryout. Tryout, I should say. It's not a it's not a audition for a play. It's for cheerleading. Um But when Betty admits that she's in love with Archie, so Betty admits that she's in love with Archie to Veronica and Veronica vows to help. And the thing is that Veronica and Archie have kind of developed an immediate attraction right off the bat. Uh Kind of, you know, throwing lusty eyes back at each other. Ooh, indeed. Just a bag full of lusty eyes tossed back and forth at a high school. I've been there. Yes. Wait, yep. (laughs) Believe it. (laughs) Totally believe it. Um... Let's keep going. (laughs) Uh, So the other rich girl in town, there's another rich girl in town, and she isn't so inclined to turn over a new leaf. That is Cheryl Blossom, who I've already mentioned, the sister of the deceased Jacob. She is the ultimate mean girl, ice queen type. She's like clearly just like a sociopath. Like she has no regard for other people's feelings. And she wields her brother's death like a weapon. She uses it to cut down anyone who challenges her terrible behavior and the troubled past between her brother Jacob and Betty's sister Polly have made the two, uh, Cheryl and Betty, enemies. Their families do not like each other. So it was kind of a Romeo and Juliet situation between their uh, older, or I mean their siblings. Uh-huh. Um, Cheryl is the captain of the cheerleading squad and refuses to admit Betty to the squad but until Veronica st- stood up remaining. for her. Oh, here we go. Um, okay. Last, certainly not least, is the unfortunately named and hatted Jughead Jones. <laughs> Does he actually have the hat? He has the hat. It's it's so, <laughs> oh, like, in the comics, lovely. it's like a crown. Yeah. But in the show, it's like this, like, stocking hat that has, like, the weird, like, crown stuff in it. It's weird. Look Funny. at a picture. It's, 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 it, <laughs> and he's it always up. wearing it. He's, he's always wearing it. Nice. Uh, so Jughead, he's a loner. You know, like, uh, he's, you know, he's bad boy. He's kind of like, he wears, like, plaid shirts tied around his waist. And if he wears suspenders, he's not actually wearing them. He's just letting them, like, lie down, you know, and they just hang. You know, he's cool. He's kind of edgy. Oh, he's so bad. He's so bad. 
Uh, he and Archie were friends until high school, but then they had a falling out. Uh, Jughead has decided to write a book about Riverdale and uh, Jason Blossom's One death. One minute remaining. Oh, here we go. Um, so when Betty reestablishes the school, reestablishes the school newspaper, which is called the Blue and Gold, uh, she becomes the editor and she enlists Jughead as the lead reporter because he ain't afraid to chase down the truth and con- and confront people on their bullcrap. Um, so yeah, so he's kind of like a gumshoe type character on the show, and he's also the series narrator. Oh. Yes. So he kind of gives the he, he typically starts and ends episodes with a bit of narration. Um, XOXO Jughead. <laughs> there you go. Um, so this show, it's all about these shifting romances and relationships, friendships. People will be friends in one episode, and then by the time the next episode rolls around, something will have happened to make them not friends, but that is very quickly to shift back the other way. There's lots of changing alliances. Um, and this is a small town full of mysteries. So each episode... Time's up. Mysteries. Mysteries. But I won't say any more about them unless you ask about them <gasps> so we have reached our two minute q a segment where each of you has two minutes to ask me questions or excuse me uh you know uh amy q's that's what i was trying to say <laughs> yeah a u a me a u some q's yeah me a u a me q <laughs> all right i'm totally Nailed following it. along Great. Yeah. Oh. Long-time listeners of the podcast will have stopped listening to the podcast <laughs> by now. <laughs> uh, DM me, bros. Anyway, let's uh, <laughs> get into this. Let's hear from... Oh, gosh. Eric, how about you go first? Yay. Uh, so, let's... Marcus, that's a good face. That's why I didn't choose you. Oh, God. Stop it. He's making faces, ladies and gentlemen. He's they're real driving. good. They're, they're real really, toothy. They're scaring me. They're gummy. There's a lot going on. There's some tongue. A little tongue. Oh, that's a lot of tongue. Let's let's get the timer on the clock, shall <laughs> All right, everybody. I'm out of here. Two-minute Q&A begin. So, Andrew Neal. Yeah, that's me. What kind A-N. of mysteries? Hey, oh, wait, there we go. Oh, sorry, it's just more initials. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Yeah, uh, mysteries. Uh, so, yeah, so the show has a, um, the overarching mystery is what happened to Jason Blossom. Natch. But each time something is revealed about that, as it is in every episode, it might uncover something else about the town. So, for example, uh, Built Veron- on an ancient Indian burial ground. Lots of ghosts. Nope. Lots no of ghosts. ancient curses. No, no ancient curses. Ah, Not that dang. type of show. Not that type of show. Ugh. But there might be some shady business going on between Veronica's mom and a local gang in town. Hmm. What's going on there? Um, there might be some weird stuff going on with Archie's father's business. Okay. So it's 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 like these things are like just kind of being unearthed based on the Jason Blossom thing. So sure. we're learning that Riverdale ain't so perfect of a town. Okay, okay. Uh, what is the deal with Miss Grundy? Miss Grundy? Yeah. Uh, she is a music teacher. She yeah, but, is a young, you know, she's probably yeah, in her but, 20s. Yeah, but what's she doing? What's she effing doing? 
She's banging Archie. What is what is she doing? I don't know what you're trying to. She's doing Archie is what she's I'm doing. I'm saying, isn't don't you find there's something uh, morally uh, uh, reprehensible about this? Oh, some might think so. Yeah. Uh, is does that is she getting in trouble? It does. Is, does. is she conflicted about this? I'm so interested. Oh, definitely. Okay. Definitely conflicted about okay. it. Okay. Yes. Wh who's yeah. your favorite character? Oh man. Uh, Come on. Probably Betty. Time's up. Yeah, that's all I needed. Yeah. I got my answer. All oh, right. Oh, man. Wouldn't it have been terrible if I hadn't answered it? Yeah, you're just like, uh, time's yeah. up. Dang. Yeah, because I, I like, I mean, I'll just say this. I, I like I like most of the characters on the show. Um, But uh, yeah, I think Betty's, Betty's my fave. Fantastic. Okay, yeah. well, that's great. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to head out of the room. I'll I'll give do a little tag tag action to Marcus oh. on my way out. And oh, they there just we tagged. Go. They just tagged. Marcus, welcome back. Hey, thank you for having me. Oh, happy to, happy to. Uh, are you ready to uh, ask just, some ask some questions? <laughs> back that Q train up to the A station. <laughs> Woo! Oh, that peak. Sorry, sorry, me. Um, <laughs> all right, let's get that time on the clock. Two minute Q and A. Begin. Does Jughead like hamburgers? <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, yeah. They all they all spend a lot of time in a uh, diner, a local diner called Pop's Chocolate Shop. Ooh. And so there's lots of that's like one of the main sets on the show. And yeah, I think they eat burgers probably. What what era does this take place in? Do they have modern technologies? Oh, that is a very good question. It is modern. Yes. Okay, so they, they be always be texting. Oh, yeah. Very much so. Lots of phone action. Gotcha. Uh, what are some of the other mysteries that happened in the show? Ooh, see, Eric asked that same thing. Um, I can tell you about ones that aren't what I told him. Um, so, there is some uh, related mysteries to, like, Jason's death uh were that like he might have been trying to run away from town um with Betty's sister Polly Ooh. for unknown reasons but that is one of the rumors but we have yet to validate it because Polly is locked away in some sort of asylum thing but that is a possibility of what might be going on do the parents play a big role in this Yes, very much so. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yes. 30 seconds remaining. Ah. Are there any, like, uh, supernaturally mystery things? Is Sabrina the Teenage Witch in this? <laughs> no. No. Uh, so Eric kind of asked that question, but... Yeah, no. There, there's, there's nothing supernatural about it. What would Archie's superhero name be if he were in the Berlantiverse as a superhero? Uh... Uh, mediocre man. <laughs> Time's Arch up. Yeah. Oh, there's the end. Uh, Archie's kind of a wet blanket. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, anyway, that's the end of our, our Q&A segments. Marcus, how you feeling going into the writing portion of our show? Raring. Raring and ready to go. Would you say you have some pep in your step? I am peppy enough. To fill a rally. Oh, with, there with we go. Pep. It's a pep rally. 
Yeah. Yep, I got gotcha. you. Peppermint Patty. Nope, that's different. Pep- uh, oh, and, what else you got? And Marcy. Marcy and Peppermint Patty. The two of them. Peanuts. Peanuts? Okay. Some people are allergic to peanuts. Yep. This is that freeform comedy that they pay so much for. Yeah, the people love it. They come love for it. the fix. They stay for whatever the fuck this is. Whatever it is, got some pep. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. I'm done writing. I'm back. Uh, are you Wait. still doing the Q&A? What's going on? <laughs> You're done writing? Yeah, what did I'm you done write? Writing. Yeah, we're, I'm done. Let's do this thing. You guys ready? No, we're not ready. There's an advertisement that I have to read. It's everyone's favorite part of the show because oh, it's I'm me sorry. and me alone. All right. Well, get on with it so we can do this thing. Okay, right. okay, fine. I'm going to go take my pep elsewhere. Marcus, I expect more freeform comedy when we return. On top of what you have written, you have two assignments. Um, but before then, let's kick it over to me for a little commercial. Take it away! All right, it is commercial time. Boy, Andrew and Andrew alone, left to my own devices. <laughs> oh, you love it. I know you do. Or maybe I just love it, and I project the love of being alone with you, listeners. I don't know. What am I talking about? I'm really not getting to the message. And it's, you know, subscribe, find us on social media give us money on coffee all those things you know them whatever you've heard it time and time again uh, it's just it's just one-on-one time with Andrew let's just enjoy it how will we enjoy it? what will we do what will we do just the two of us oh wait a second this ad break's almost done uh, I guess I'll let you back to the show fine welcome back after that excellently read and performed break guys we're back into Riverdale. We're back. We're going to be talking about it. We're going to be reading a couple of stories about it. Uh, I'm sure you enjoyed that equally as excellent pitch for that commercial break. And now I'm expecting two pieces of sham fiction of no less quality. Gentlemen, are you going to meet my expectations? Uh, yes or no? That's a lot of pressure. Healthy serving of pep coming up. Ooh, there we go. It, this is indeed the town with pep, so there better be pep in the step of these. You got it. Fix. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, man. Eric, how are you feeling? Um, I feel okay. <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of certainty in that response. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. Well, you know what? You know why I feel okay. Why you feel okay? Because I wrote a story and I'm I'm looking at it and it's on a yep. page. Yep. And uh, so you didn't uh, carve it in it into anything. No, it's just you know it's just typed. All right, that's okay. But you know that means the Lord Ruler can change it, Eric. Oh, he has power. Nothing is safe over the written word. This a uh, deep cut <laughs> and has nothing to do with Riverdale. Not at all related to Riverdale. <laughs> Which is what we're talking about right now. Uh-huh. Let's talk about keeping uh, communication safe by carving it in metal. Uh, uh-huh. And uh, Thanks, Zed. Yep. 
Okay, we're yep. gonna move on from this, and uh, <laughs> even though I know what we're talking about, I still don't want to talk about it. So, Riverdale, Eric. Yep. Read me a story. You All were, right. you you have it. It's there. I heard it's written on paper, not carved into Here metal. Here we go. It's gonna happen. Nonetheless, needs to be read. Let's do it. All right. Here's Riverdale by Eric Carlson. Uh. A, t- uh, a tale in three parts. What? Jughead. Who killed Jacob Blossom? It was the only question that mattered, and it was about time that Riverdale had an answer. Many people had speculated, of course. Jacob's unbearable sister Cheryl seemed to be the favorite amongst conspiracy theorists the town over, but the police had questioned her, and neither they nor I had been convinced of her guilt. Cheryl had no reason to kill her brother, and in a story like this, Motivation was everything. I had a better theory. Jughead, leave off, please, Betty said, clutching her school books to her cardigan as she walked. It's the (laughs) biggest story there is, Betty, I replied, skipping to keep up with her rapid pace on the sidewalk. The blue and gold could blow it open. Let's see them try to defund us again after publishing a piece exposing an actual murderer. I'm the editor, remember? She warned with a side-eyed glance my direction. And you're asking me if my family was involved in a crime that you're trying to report in my paper. I can't help you. You're defensive, I pointed out. Jacob tortured your sister. It hurt your family. Everyone knows that. Any rational person would suspect. I trailed off as Betty stopped dead in her tracks and spun on me, snarling in a barely contained whisper. Jughead Jones, listen to me. You write for a high school newspaper. You report on academic policies and student elections. If the homecoming king falls off the stage and breaks his leg, you write about it. If he shoots Jacob Blossom in the chest, you write about how bland the school lunches are and leave the murder investigation for real-life, actual detectives. She was angry, her face only inches from mine, knuckles white as she clung to her books. She turned to the side, blonde ponytail flicking out towards me. It was only then that I realized we were standing just outside her house. Betty appeared to be searching the windows, as if checking to make sure her mother wasn't watching from inside the house. Okay, I said calmly. She turned back to me, suspicion etched onto her face. I won't report it in the paper, but that doesn't mean I can leave the question unanswered. I still can't help you. She sounded earnest, but I got the distinct impression that she was hiding something. Why not? I asked, putting on a confused face but feeling more and more confident in the conclusion that was forming in my head. She glanced at the house again and said, Not here. We'll talk later. She turned and reached a bloodless hand out to open the latch on the white picket gate. I nodded to myself. The motivation fit. Betty's mother, Alice had just become my top suspect. Just then, the roar of a car engine made me pause and turn. It was Archie and his bright red Camaro, rag-top down despite the autumnal chill, peeling into his driveway next door, a guitar case wedged into the passenger seat beside him. I watched for a moment as he put the convertible in park, said goodbye to Betty, then turned to go. Archie I killed the motor and stepped out of the car, locking eyes on Betty Cooper. She was a welcome sight. There was something about her presence that comforted me, 
instantly lifting my spirits after the conversation I just had. She looked wary, however. Her bright eyes flicked nervously towards Jughead's form, sullenly retreating down the sidewalk, so I asked, "'You follow you home?' I said it loud enough that it was possible Jughead could hear me, but I didn't care. Betty smiled and crossed the yard, stopping just shy of the white fence that marked the barrier between her world and mine. <laughs> "'We were talking about a story,' she said. "'For the paper.' "'All right. I just worried he might have said something. The look on your face when I pulled up.' It's okay. He was just asking questions. You know, Jughead. I shrugged and said, I guess, then walked over to the passenger side door and started pulling out the guitar case. I might have known Jughead once, but that was a long time ago. How'd lessons go? She asked, nodding towards the guitar. I don't know, I said, hefting the instrument and resting the bottom of the case on the driveway. Lessons might be over. Miss Grundy cancel on you? She asked with an oddly hopeful tone. I nodded. It wasn't a topic I really wanted to dwell on at the moment, and there was no way that Betty knew about what had actually been going on between me and the music teacher, so I just said, she doesn't have time for it anymore. School year's a killer. Sure is. She agreed. <laughs> there was something about the way she said it, however, that felt disingenuous, as if she knew more than she was letting on. I studied her face for a moment, but her expression softened and she asked, What? Nothing, I replied quickly, lifting the case and moving towards my front door. Is everything okay, Archie? Can I do anything? I paused and looked back at her for a long moment. A slight blush filled her cheeks, perhaps from the cold air. She appeared soft, timid, almost innocent. It was enough to remind me just how in love with her I used to be back when I was a kid who didn't know how to deal with such complicated feelings. Of course, those feelings had become even more complicated since this summer, since learning the limits of Betty Cooper's innocence. I broke eye contact and nodded off towards the direction that Jughead had left and said, just let me know if he's asking the wrong kinds of questions, okay? Betty raised an eyebrow at this. The wrong kinds of questions? She repeated. I nodded distractedly remembering the sound of the gunshot that had drawn me away from Geraldine and down to the lakeshore in time to see Betty, her clothes soaked from head to toe, walking shakily away from the unconscious form of Cheryl Blossom on the beach. At first, I thought she'd killed Cheryl, but once I heard about Jacob, well, that I knew what I'd seen. Luckily for Betty, her secret was safe with me. "'You can trust me, Betty,' I said. "'We all have secrets.' She glanced nervously back at her own house, then turned back to me and said, Archie, are your parents home? Betty. They weren't. When we got to his room, I shut the door behind us. So, secrets? I asked casually, as if talking about the weather. He raised his eyebrows. Betty, I... He began, but he seemed to think better of it and started again. They're, they're yours to keep. It's none of my business. Too late for that, I thought. I tossed my books on the bed and then sat next to them, looking up at Archie standing there in his tight blue jeans, open letter jacket, and deep <laughs> V-neck shirt that re revealed just a bit of his chest. My mind was brief briefly hung up then, caught in the realization that I was alone with Archie Andrews, on his bed, with his parents away. Then I refocused on the issue at hand. You said I can trust you. What am I supposed to be trusting you with? I, 
His voice cracked. Then he set down the guitar case and took a breath. I don't know. I just don't want you to get hurt. I rolled my eyes. So typical, Archie. I can take care of myself, Archie. I'm a big girl. I paused for a moment, thinking about what he'd said outside. We all have secrets, I quoted. You were talking about you and Miss Grundy. What? He blurted, a confused look on his face. Apparently, I'd guessed his secret correctly. You two are a thing, right? I replied. Honestly, Archie, it wasn't that secret. My bedroom is like 15 feet that way, I said, pointing towards the window. I hear things. He shook his head at this and laughed nervously. Well, that's all over now, I think. Probably for the best, I replied with a smirk. He nodded, then took a breath and said, We were both there. Where? Who? I asked, not following the thread of the conversation. At the lake. The day Jacob died. She and I were there, and I saw you. What? I blurted stupidly. The confession caught me by surprise. It seemed that revealing that I knew he'd been sleeping with his music teacher had inspired him to share more secrets. But I had questions. If he had been there and seen me, why hadn't he said anything? Why hadn't he helped me? Beyond that, why hadn't he mentioned anything about it or gone to the police in the intervening months? He continued, We heard a gunshot, so I, um... Uh, I put my clothes back on. I felt a blush in my cheeks. And looked out towards the shore, and you were there. Drenched. Leaving the scene. I took a few moments to soak in the story. He had been there, yes, but apparently he had only seen the aftermath. He didn't know what had actually happened. Then my eyes went wide as I realized... You think I killed him? I just... He stammered. Did you not? Suddenly, unintentionally, I, a relieved laugh escaped my lips. He had no idea what he'd seen, which meant that he hadn't witnessed the struggle that ended with me and Cheryl Blossom getting shoved into the lake, and her brother Jacob dead on the floor of the boat. He didn't see the craft speeding away, whisking the Blossom, Blossom boy out through the channel and into oblivion or who had been at the helm. He had no idea that the real murderer was my sister Polly. What's funny? Archie asked, a look of genuine confusion on his face. I stood from the bed and rested a hand lightly on his cheek. Oh, Archie, I began. We all have secrets. The end. <laughs> oh! Secrets! Ooh. So many so secrets many secrets held by the the teens of Riverdale. My goodness. Thank you, Mr. Carlson, for sharing that story with us. But of course. I am so excited to talk about that. But yeah, before we get to that portion of the program, we need to hear what Marcus wrote. Mr. Mann, please. Hey. Share this story that you brought to us. I'm excited to share. I gotta say, I think this is the first CW show that I've gotten to write for because I'm such a CW fan that I'm always Ooh. on the pitching end. Yeah, yeah, I suppose that's true. Yeah, yeah. Eric, Eric and I had that conversation in between recordings where we talked about how Eric always gets stuck with the CW stuff because he doesn't watch any of it. <laughs> yeah, it's always really hard for me. 
<laughs> we did a flash in one of the previews. Arrow as an official episode with the caterpillar mm-hmm. crawl. Yeah, the hundred. Yeah, and I think now, that's it. I think those. Are, but that's quite a it. bit. Doing all time. those. We just love yeah. CW. Like, you know, <laughs> they're so good. They're so good. <laughs> yeah, they're great. Well, here we go. I'm 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 looking forward to to hearing this. So please, oh, thank you. All right, here we go. Without further ado, <sighs> Marcus Mans. Oh boy. Tale. <laughs> <laughs> I remember a time when detention felt like the end of the world. I couldn't imagine anything worse than the dual shames of being separated from my friends at the end of the school day and having to tell my mom why I came home late. That innocence died years before Jacob Blossom was murdered. Today I wear it as a badge of honor. I know now that there are worse prisons than administrative posturing. There's the institution that Polly is locked away in, holding her secrets. There's the dark cell that Jacob's murderer will rot in once my investigation reports is finally complete. If stealing Jacob's permanent record meant I had to spend a week in detention on laundry duty, (laughs) so be it. It gave me time to think. The file hadn't said much, but what it didn't say was far more interesting. There were no reports of violence, of mental health issues. Jacob was an asshole, but according to his permanent record, he had never crossed the line. And that was different from the story Alice Cooper told. She had practically begged the Riverdale Tribune to publish her story about how Jacob Blossom, a troubled boy with a history of violence and disruptions in his school career, had abused her precious daughter Polly until she had to seek professional help. This was directly contradicted by the school's report. There was something Alice knew that she didn't want to get out. Maybe Betty was in on it, too. (laughs) Washing a few football jerseys was worth the price of that information. Nothing mattered more than the truth. When the free period bell rang on the third day, I forced my way past the crowd heading out of the school to enjoy the sunshine, and through the squeaky clean halls of Riverdale High to the basement where the laundry facility stood in all its Cold War-era glory. (laughs) The remodeling budget hadn't made its way down to the service facilities. You could see the ugly gray roots of the school beneath its shiny surface. Just like the town with Pep itself. Pretty on the outside, but dig a little deeper. (laughs) I filled the old metal tub with lukewarm water and added a scoop of off-brand detergent before putting on my blue rubber gloves. I pulled over the cart piled with reeking uniforms that had fallen down from the laundry chute above. Blue and gold. I grabbed as many as I could at a time and added them to the water. Usually wasn't a reporter's job to wash away the dirt and blood. We were meant to illuminate it. I swirled the clothes by hand, removing the grime. The murky water soon hid the majority of the clothing within. It made me picture how Jacob's body must have looked that night. Whatever he could have told us about how he died washed away under the surface, never to be seen again. You're taking this pretty seriously. I turned and saw Veronica Lodge standing in the shadows behind me. How long had she been there? This story is really messing me up if I miss someone on the way in. At least I hadn't jumped. She stepped into the light to reveal a too small top that I knew hadn't shrunk in the wash. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing here, Veronica? It seemed like the place to be. Why are you here? You know why I'm here. Ah, right. The reporter self-flagellating for his story. Prove any good conspiracies today? <laughs> you picked it up fast. Picked what up? 
The Riverdale Sass. You'll fit in well here. Have you met Cheryl yet? <laughs> hey, let's not say anything we can't take back. I'm sorry. I just like teasing you when you're wearing that cute little hat. I'm always wearing this hat. <laughs> My point exactly. But enough foreplay. I come bearing gifts. Veronica reached into her bra and pulled out a small bag filled with white powder. I don't do drugs. <laughs> I turned back to the tub and continued stirring the clothes. How about truth serum? There's no such thing. Veronica walked up behind me, pushing her body against my back and wrapping her arms around me to hold the bag in front of my face. I hated myself for enjoying it. <laughs> it's close enough. I think your boss has been lying, and this will bring out the truth. My boss? Betty? Smart as a whip. You put this in with the uniforms, and at the joint cheer football practice tonight? <laughs> well, I'll know the truth. You know, I'll be wearing one of these. I'm counting on it. You won't want to look suspicious. And don't worry, it's nothing serious. Just drop this in and we'll finally know if Betty is being honest about what happened to Archie Andrews this summer. Archie. He was the one piece of the Jacob Blossom puzzle I couldn't fit. He told me that there was more to the story than the police report, but he wouldn't say how he knew. Was it possible he told Betty and not me? He always had a thing for blondes. Veronica's dad was in trouble with the law for some shady holdings related to a pharmaceutical company. Could this really be happening? It sounded so crazy, but what choice did I have? Jacob needed justice. The truth was all that mattered. I took the packet in my soapy wet glove and turned to face Veronica. She stayed intoxicatingly close. How will we know it's working? <laughs> You'll know. It's moisture activated once it dries... If you're having trouble breaking a sweat at practice, just let me know. I have a few stretches I've been meaning to try out. Veronica ran a finger from my cheek to my chin and walked away. I watched her up the stairs. <laughs> the practice started normally enough. In a town like Riverdale, even detention wouldn't get you out of football practice. If the team needed you, it didn't seem to matter what else you had done. That was a story Alice had told about Jacob's reputation. We pulled on our jerseys in the locker room. For training drills, we didn't wear the full gear, just the tight shirts on skin. I clapped Archie on the shoulder before running out to the field. I wish I knew exactly what was supposed to happen. Maybe all the guys would be more open in the locker room after the game. I could ask about what Betty had told Archie, and I'd finally know the truth. I just hoped the team wouldn't turn it around on me. I had secrets they'd wanted to pry out of me from years. I planned on taking the story of why I wore my hat to the grave. <laughs> I should have asked Veronica more about what was going to happen, but if I'd learned one thing as a journalist, it was that if you push too hard, sometimes your sources break. After the Jacob story was out, I'd need to come back to Veronica for her take on the Lodge family embezzlement scandal. I guess I'd have to watch her closely for clues. It wasn't like she'd be able to break formation during practice to come talk to me. When the football team was assembled on the field for our opening drills, the cheer squad was already working in their full uniforms. Veronica stood shoulder to shoulder with Betty and winked at me when I caught her eye. Her smile didn't waver as they called out the familiar cheer. R-I-V-E, we're the team that cannot fail. R-D-A-L, one more E spells Riverdale. <laughs> I'll admit I did feel a little perspiration when Veronica started the high kicks. 
I think she knew I would. <laughs> After a few sprints up and down the field, I wasn't the only one sweating. I waited to start feeling more impressionable. But what came instead was an itch. It started as a tickle, a little nagging awareness of the jersey, but soon it became like a fire. My skin was screaming to be free of the fabric. Looking around, the other guys started tearing off their shirts. I quickly followed suit. Soon the entire team was panting bare-chested and glistening with sweat under the bright lights of the football field. Their deep breaths of relief accentuated the tight muscles on their chests and stomachs that were sparkling wet. <laughs> this was enough of a distraction that the cheer squad rushed onto the field to see what was going on. I brushed past Archie and over to Veronica. What is this? I, I thought you gave me a truth serum. I know! It worked perfectly! <laughs> what are you talking about? You said Betty had been lying about what was going on with Archie this summer. I thought she might have been. But this proves she was telling the truth. About Jacob Blossom? No, you dork. About Archie's abs. You really did grow a six-pack. <laughs> Just like she said. I owe Betty an apology. <laughs> I held back a scream as Veronica ran off to whisper and giggle with Betty. This was a setback. But I knew I would still solve the mystery of Jacob Blossom's murder. It wasn't the end of my career, it was just a reminder of what I'd always known deep down. Even the best reporter in the world couldn't get into the mind of a high school girl. And that was the truth. The end. <laughs> uh, what a twist. That was, that was quite a twist. Wow. Quite a twist indeed. Well, thank you, gentlemen. Thank you for sharing those stories. I enjoyed myself thoroughly. My expectations have been met. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, good. I am looking forward to talking about these in more detail. I have to sort out my thoughts, determine who is going to be the winner this week. But before we get there, I'm going to need a little bit of time to think. So I want to hear more from you two. Gonna start with Eric. Yeah, hi. Mr. Carlson. Mm -hmm. Would you please tell us a little bit more about the process of writing Riverdale? How did this go for you? So mine was I, I had a lot of difficulty at first. The short version of the story is that I was trying to focus on story, you know, like taking the pitch and just trying to figure out where, you know, what characters I wanted to focus on, what the plot was gonna be, try to make a scene out of it, and it was getting me nowhere. Just having crazy writing block and then mm -hmm. um andrew i think it was a conversation i had outside of this with you or i was i was complaining that i i was struggling and mm -hmm. i think you suggested that um i could try to just play with form like what's a type of story you want to tell don't worry so much about the pitch but like what kind of thing have you not written that you'd like to try or like some do something weird with the form and um and so I, I went back through my uh, last few previous um, shams this season, and I realized there was a lot of third person. Mm -hmm. And lately there's been a lot of like third person dramas. Um, and so I decided that, oh, you know, it'd be fun if I did first person. And not only first person, what if I did multiple viewpoints in the same story? Mm -hmm. Do like three 500 word or so mini stories that are all connected and, you know, one after the other. Um, and uh, I started there and suddenly 
it all kind of came together really, really quickly. So Good. the resulting piece uh, was uh, just a few hours of work once I uh, once I hit upon that initial form idea. Very good, very good. Yeah, that was that was a, a unique element of this story, and something that as soon as you started using, you know, the the first person perspective, I was immediately drawn in because, yeah, I I don't think we've had a lot of first person uh, stories, and Riverdale is a a good property to use something like that because of all the secrets. It's mm-hmm. good to get into si- inside some of these characters' heads in that way because of that. So, all right. Very good. Marcus, how about you? How did the process go for you, someone who's a little bit more familiar with the CW properties? Yeah, it was fun. Uh, so, I've got to admit, I when I go through my process, I'll listen back to the pitch and actually yeah. take notes right because mm-hmm. we share that part out and makes it easier to engage while you're actually pitching something so I, I go back later and do the notes i had not done that process when i started thinking about this story and i was trying to think you know i knew this is kind of a darker property but i wanted to have a lot of fun with the cwe nature of it yeah and in all the superhero shows they find so many excellent excuses to get the guys out of their shirts <laughs> and show them working out and glistening and i was like this is a football team I want to come up with something that's going to have the entire team take their shirts off and just be fabulous. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Get some of that cheesecake in there. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I I, I came up with the idea that you'd put something in the, either the town water or a specific laundry batch or something that would make all their shirts itchy and they'd have to take them off. Sure. And like, I came up with all these scenarios where it's like the whole week, no one in the school has their shirts on and they're just all (laughs) hooking up and it's just crazy. Um, And then I I listened to the pitch again. I was like, oh shoot, this is really going to be a lot darker than that. That's going to be hard to do, especially because Jughead is our narrator and is such a serious kind of character. Yeah. So, that I thought, that's perfect. That's a great source of conflict that I could have Jughead be in his mind this self-important little high school sophomore junior. Like, I'm yeah. going to solve all the problems in the world. Yeah. yeah. And the girl's, like, giving him clues. But it turns out just she just wants to see all the hot guys naked, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. It's high school. Um, so I really really got to play with that and had had fun once i was able to merge those two concepts uh and was really hoping that i'd be able to set up enough that you get that twist but also if you look back at it you could see this has been layered out throughout the whole thing you know there's Mm -hmm. kind of a lot of double entendre in veronica's dialogue with jughead oh that'll be fun to revisit because yeah i I would say yeah the that you were you were aware as you were writing it of the hints that you were layering in. And yeah. that was definitely not something that I, I was picking up on. Um, so that's exciting. Yeah. Really right. effective twist. And I would say, yes, you're, you were very successful in what you set out to do here. So we'll get Thank into you. that here in a, little, in a little bit. But first, this time has come for me, your host this week, to give my verdict on who wins in writing Riverdale. Who is the best at writing Riverdale? Who's going to be the homecoming king? (laughs) Who? 
got my crown here up on the, the in the gym and uh-huh. the auditorium up on stage and I'm handing this crown this very non-jughead like crown <laughs> much more exciting than that to neither of you uh, over here to Mr. Roberto Aguirre Sacasa the creator of Riverdale because he's really good at doing the show it's a really fun show congratulations Roberto well done Robbie well done hey who was the original creator of uh, Archie comics oh man I don't have that information in front of me (sighs) Archibald Andrews the third some guy (laughs) some guy from a really long time ago because the information I do have in front of me is that Archie comics the characters in Archie Comics appeared in 1941. That's a really long time ago, you so guys. So it's probably Jesus or something. <laughs> yeah, probably something like that. Um, really hope, really hope one of us is looking this up right now while we kill time. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm going to keep pushing forward. All right. <laughs> um, because we now need to. The characters I need to were say, created by John L. Goldwater and artist Bob Montana. Thanks, Andrew. Bob Montana. I love it. I in collaboration it. with writer Vic Bloom. Boom. There you go. There it is. Credit where credit is due. I would say that, I would imagine that this is a pretty loose adaptation <laughs> <laughs> of the original Archie comics. <laughs> um, anyway, the least loser this week, somebody has to come in second. Um, or maybe not even second, probably way, way, way further down <laughs> from all the other writers on this show, and, or on, on, on Riverdale and all that. But fair, someone fair. has to come in as the least loser on this show, of the two writers <laughs> on this show. And uh, the least loser this week is going to be Mr. Marcus Mann. <gasps> Congratulations, Marcus. Thank golf you. clap, golf clap. I'll take my shirt off. Here we go. Oh, oh yes. Wow, wow. <laughs> Shiny, glistening. So celebrate. Yeah. That was my intention all along. <laughs> No, I would have given it to you both if I wanted that. <laughs> you both win. Oh, Take your shirts off. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, man. Yes, I enjoyed both of these stories, but the reason that I'm going to give it the the, the, the edge to Marcus is that I, I think he perfectly married these ideas of this self-serious... Um, CW show where the teens all act more grown up than they are and there's always it, it, it they never feel like true high school students there's always this weight of the world they seem much more you know knowledgeable about that, the way things work and you just undercutted it but in a way that it still felt kind of true to the thing itself uh, and I just think that you kind of perfectly married those things so well done Mr. Man thank you Yes, I enjoyed your story quite a lot. The the twist at the end surprised me, delighted me. Because, <laughs> uh, again, you know, I was like, Marcus, you know, he loves these shows. He knows these shows like this, like, you know, the, the DC Universe shows, you know. And, you know, while they can be funny and silly at times, uh, especially on The Flash and, like, Legends of Tomorrow, you know, there's still plenty of you know, melodrama on those shows and things that they're treating so seriously where they're talking about ridiculous things. Um, So I was wondering, okay, he's really nailing this. He's really nailing that aesthetic. But then that's what made that surprise at the end all the better because it was a commentary on these elements (laughs) and well, well, uh, uh, yeah, just very welcome uh, commentary (laughs) on, on these shows. So 
Well done, sir. Thank you. Yes, it sounds like you enjoyed the process of writing it, which makes me very pleased. Um, Eric, I enjoyed your story quite a bit as well. I think you especially hit on... I found your your story to be very accurate to the, to the property itself. Sure. So as coming from someone who is unfamiliar with this and doesn't watch a lot of shows like this, I want to applaud you for really hitting on the feel of a show like this. Kind of melodramatic sort of tone. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because you hit, I would say you hit on that probably a little bit closer to what the actual property is, whereas I think what made me excited for Marcus's piece was that he took it a step a little further in that he went pure gumshoe with it. Mm -hmm. You know, he like it felt like one of those classic... Uh, noir sort of uh, narrations yeah. that we would get. Um, you know, it's it's interesting. That was uh, that was one of the things that I latched onto too about your pitch was you mentioned that like these shows they start and end usually with Jughead narration. So Marcus, you went with what I think my initial gut was to have the story narrated from Jughead's point of view, and to kind of go through and do this murder mystery sort of plot um and so i love that you went with that and that's exactly what jughead was doing but then in your story it gets completely undercut by veronica's motivations and uh that was fantastic did a very good job thank you i i figured there was a really good chance that we were both going to go that route in Mm -hmm. terms of having it be from jughead's narrative point of view uh, and I was glad to see you mix it up with the alternate POVs, which is an interesting way of still getting depth into the character's perspective and the writing, but also sort of mirroring how in a TV show you can see scenes with different characters, with side characters, and yeah. reveals that add to dramatic audience irony. Yeah, and it was something that I realized when writing my three perspectives that it felt very tv in a way that I think is hard to hit on. Like there's like in a scene, you know, you'll be following one character and having a conversation or, and something's going on and then you'll switch and suddenly you're following another character in the scene and they become your POV. And it also, it adds um, an easy point for cuts that you can do ellipses Mm -hmm. and times that you can cut to a new geographic location um, and you can sort of edit in a way that feels very much like TV, like jumping from scene to scene. I enjoyed that, yeah. Which is fun, fun to explore, new thing for me. Yeah. Yeah, and it sounds like that was something that you were, Eric, that you really wanted to hit on with this, was to dig into multiple characters and perspectives. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and that that's what was exciting about this, because um, we don't often see pieces like that. Um, this one reminded me um, in structure of... Marcus's Cowboy Bebop piece yeah. from season one, uh, yeah, where he switched between cut. the different characters. Yeah, yeah, it reminded me a bit of that. Um, a great episode, by the way. Everybody should go check that out if you haven't listened to Cowboy <laughs> Bebop. It's a really good one. It's one of my Thank favorites. You. One of the best stories that's ever been on this show. Ah, thanks. It, yeah, it's a good one. It's a real good one. Um, but I don't even think that those were in first person. So again, that first person element here... Um, it, it, it just gives it a it allows you to really see with it what these characters are thinking and i like the way that you handed that off 
from one to the next, the transitions between each of your sections was really well executed because especially that third like that that last one where it's mm-hmm. a, it's a jump in time but you kind of played off of that with this kind of like call and response from one scene to the next where it was like are your parents home his parents aren't home and now we're in a new location mm-hmm. that was a really great transition and very different than the first transition which was more like a physical like kind of just goodbye you know that just the scene continued on it, you know it didn't miss a beat yeah and we went over to well, I guess it was just, yeah, Archie pulling up. Mm-hmm. So um, there were some details, Eric, that you had in your piece that I just absolutely loved because they made me feel like I was watching the characters in the show. Um, <laughs> just the fact that the scene starts with Jughead and Betty walking down a sidewalk home from school. Absolutely perfect. There are yeah. so many scenes of these characters walking down sidewalks <laughs> of course. Uh, in, in neighborhoods. So many outside of their houses. So, like, the settings just felt right. And then also, just some of the details, like how, like, you mentioned that she, like, clutched her books close to her cardigan, and that when she turned (laughs) her head, her ponytails flicked. Like, these were Mm -hmm. details that I was like, I'm watching this show right now. Like, it it, it brought to mind the the, the visuals of the show. Um, And I also loved the detail that Betty is aware of Archie's fling with the teacher because her room is directly... (laughs) Across from his. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I got a chuckle out of that because, like, really? They're going to Archie's place? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That was good. I like it that that's good. how you interpreted that. I also kind of left it open to be like, uh, I maybe he's heard him talking on yeah, the phone I, or I something. That was but more yeah, the case, I, but oh, that, I, I interpreted the same way as Marcus. <laughs> that's did. good. This I like that better. Yeah. I think the teacher's going back to her student's <laughs> yep. house. Well, they got to get the music lessons, you know? He, oh, she comes goodness. to his house for the music lessons, maybe. <laughs> um, but no, that was a really good detail. So yeah, so details like that really, really allowed me to immerse in your story. Really well done in that aspect. Thank you, sir. So, yeah. Yeah, guys, I'm feeling good about these stories. Do you have any other details that you would like to share about each other's? Marcus... Your uh, what I liked about your story the most, I think, was that um, you really you wrote the Jughead character in such a way that me as a as the audience, as the reader, as the listener, I really dislike him. He's just <laughs> such a dick. He's so full of himself <laughs> and self-important, and you just want something bad to happen to him. So I really love that he ended up being like part of this this Veronica Lodge prank that just yeah. pleased me so much because it's just this catharsis that I didn't that I didn't know that I needed. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so I'm glad. Cuz that's the thing these characters so many of them on all of these shows you end up really not liking because they're so insufferable and self-important <laughs> over things that don't matter. Um which is my favorite thing on Arrow. They killed off about half the cast throughout the first four seasons and uh, got rid of most of the people I didn't like. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe they'll kill off Jughead soon. Uh, I doubt that very much. <laughs> I, I do. I do want to to call out. This is this kind of tooting my own horn here, <laughs> but the uh, go for it cheer that I did. Yeah, which I think is so just deliciously bad. Is a good uh, cheer. 
R-I-V-E, we're the team that cannot fail. R-D-A-L, one more E spells Riverdale. <laughs> yeah, um, it was good. Because I was trying to think of a cheer where you could spell out the town name, but it just doesn't fit in with that pattern. <laughs> so That's good. I enjoyed that cheer very much. Thanks for Eon. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> the uh, spelling. That's how you spell it. They spelled it right. Well, you see, when you it. performed it, I, I was following along there. The first time you performed it, I thought maybe they missed an R in there. <laughs> I was like, did they just misspell their own town? Um, which would have been funny too, but I, it's not the case. It's funny as is. <laughs> um, yes, um, one of my favorite uh, inconsistencies with the show was Marcus that you had. Jughead on the football team. Yeah. Uh, Jughead is most definitely not on the football team. <laughs> Jughead is the most emo, uh, like, non-conforming person in the world. He's the guy that just stalks outside of every group. He's, he's a member of no club because he wouldn't want to be part of any club that would have him as a member. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> so... Yeah, so that was an interesting detail. When you say that he was the one that... When you said that he was going to football practice, I was like, what? <laughs> Jughead doesn't go to football practice. <laughs> uh, I knew it was a bit of a gamble. Uh, and I, I thought about... Because I, I needed him to be there, right? For it to really have impact. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so I thought about all these other ways I could write him in. Like, he's it's part of the detention. And I was just like, you know, I'm screwed. He's going to be on the team. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Or not he actually yeah. is. It worked. It absolutely Small worked. It's just yeah. it's a fun it's just a fun inconsistency yeah. with the show. Um Yeah. Yeah. No, that was that was great. And then calling out the hat because the hat <laughs> yes. is is ridiculous and I don't know if the hat's ever really called out on the show. Nor is his name. I don't know if I mentioned that in the pitch, but what? it's like treated like it's the most normal thing in the world. Oh Jughead. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey Jug, how you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, good. Yes, yes, indeed. Oh man. Well, I think I think we have ex- well explored the town of Riverdale this week. Um, I enjoyed both of your stories very much. Thank you so much for uh, for putting these together. Uh, I hope those of you in the audience, listening audience, who are fans of this show, enjoyed the heck out of those stories. I'm sure you did. <laughs> um, Again, if you want to watch Riverdale, it is on the CW. It's now airing its third season, uh, and seasons one and two are available on Netflix, which is how I have been catching up. And I recommend it. CW app, right? So all the CW shows for free on the CW app. Yes, they just have the most recent episodes on there, though, I believe, right? I think that's correct, yes. Yeah, so catch up quick if you're still getting, if you're, you know, joining the third season, because I think they drop off after, like, five or so. Mm. Gotcha. Uh, Also, uh, the CW, it is broadcast, so pretty much anybody could just watch it. Yeah, if you have an antenna. And, like, can can keep, tell time. What's that? Yeah. Schedules? I don't know what time it airs. I didn't even look, because I don't, because who watches TV when it airs now? (laughs) Um, But, yes, I highly recommend the show, especially if you're into, uh, like, teen melodrama shows. It's just, it's pitch perfect. It's it's exactly what you would want out of a show like that. Um, And... Yeah. Oh, and I want to plug the fact that the creators have a new show on that just came out at the time of this Ooh. recording, which is The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, <gasps> which is the new Sabrina the Teenage Witch show. 
it's I've already watched the first few episodes of that, and that is also excellent. Uh, so uh, is Salem the cat? Is he there? And is he wisecracking? Oh man, Salem the cat's there. He's uh, not wisecracking though. Oh. Yes, he he. At least so far, I've, I'm like halfway through, a little less than halfway through, and I don't think he talks. Guys, I don't think Salem. Guys, no. we should just oh. roll talk. this episode into a duel. We'll we'll just it, Sabrina go pitch now. Eight minutes <laughs> on the clock. Let's keep this rolling. It's uh, a bonus it. hidden episode. <laughs> it's a hidden. Why is this episode two hours long? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. oh man no as much as i would like to uh <laughs> we will we will end this episode guys thank you so much for the stories again and for another week of sham, sham fiction i have been your host andrew neal and enjoy your life <laughs> <laughs> oh that was kind of dark it's like the suicide note at the end of sham fiction andrew no well, good work, Eric. Uh, if you if you need support, you can always call me. Oh, thanks, buddy. You you did you done a good one, Andrew. <laughs> you done a good one too. Hey, thanks. Wow, let's keep patting each other on the backs. All right, all right, Yay. all right, everybody. Right, good night. We'll see you next time. Bye. Sham Fiction is a Two Jackets production hosted by Eric Carlson, Marcus Mann, and Andrew Neal. Original music by Reed Reimer. Head to shamfiction.com for the episode archive. Sham Fiction. Write what you don't know. On the next episode of Sham Fiction, prepare to journey into a land we've never journeyed into before. That's right, a Netflix animated fantasy series. Wait, you may say, haven't we just done a Netflix animated fantasy series? Yes, I will say, but this one is different than that one because it's a land filled with not only dragons, but princes and a dragon who is a prince, I guess. He's a dragon prince. Next time we're diving in, we're binging deep on the Netflix original series, The Dragon Prince. This has been a Two Jackets production. <laughs>